0: From WUSC-FM in HC1 Columbia, I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey
1: Martin. This is Hot Topics from WUSC News.
0: Coming up, we're taking a look back at the iconic legacy of
1: the late Jeopardy host Alex Trebek. I got the chance to talk to Robert Barron, a U of SC graduate who competed on Jeopardy in 2017. He'll talk about his experience on the famous game show and the lasting impact Trebek had on him. Plus,
0: U of SC student filmmaker Fenn Rockwell will join us to discuss his award-winning short film, Georgian Lens. That's all coming up this week on Hot Topics.
2: The news. Live from WSC News, I'm Tyler Fedor. The U.S. recorded its highest daily total of new coronavirus cases today with over 136,000 new people infected. This is the eighth straight day of over 100,000 new confirmed cases across the U.S. Republicans are starting to rally behind President Donald Trump as he vows to bring legal challenges to numerous states due to voter irregularities. Now, South Carolina Republicans have also joined in supporting the president. WSC's Troy Dasing reports.
3: South Carolina Republican U.S. House members held a news conference Tuesday to give their support to President Donald Trump's decision to not concede in the presidential election. House members included Representative Jeff Duncan, Tom Rice, Ralph Norman, Congresswoman-elect Nancy Mace, and was led by Representative Joe Wilson. These House members said they support the Trump administration's legal battles around what they are claiming as voting irregularities. Meanwhile, South Carolina Democrat House Representative Jim Clyburn disagrees with his colleagues' fight against the projection of Joe Biden as president-elect. Clyburn said that while he hopes that President Trump will concede, he's not waiting for him to do so. Come January, Republican and Democratic leaders in South Carolina have agreed they will accept the verified election results whichever way they go. For WSC News, I'm Troy Dassing.
2: The battle for the House of Representatives has wrapped up as Democrats managed to get a majority of the seats. But the Senate might be a different story. WSC's Caden Tomlinson reports.
0: The Associated Press reports that House Democrats managed to secure at least 218 seats on Tuesday, enough to assure another two years of Democratic control of the House of Representatives. However, the margin of victory is smaller than the previous election due to a surge of Republican voters. This is only the second time since 1995 that Democrats have controlled the House for four consecutive years. Despite Biden's victory in the White House, Senate Republicans have a strong chance at holding on to their majority, which would force compromise between the two political parties on major issues such as health care. The outcomes in the Senate will therefore be a major factor in shaping Joe Biden's presidency. Cadence Tomlinson, WSC News.
2: A new candidate for a potential coronavirus vaccine looks to be coming from Pfizer and their German partner, BioNTech, after months long study. People experience more than, according to to the group, people experience more than 90% fewer symptomatic cases when taking two shots of the vaccine three weeks apart. This is compared to earlier vaccines that produced only 60 to 70% effectiveness. The research on the possible vaccine has not been peer-reviewed by an outside party or published in a scientific journal. This is generally a crucial step in the research process. Right now, however, no data is available on whether the possible vaccine prevents serious cases of the coronavirus that can land someone in the hospital or prevent the spread of the virus via asymptomatic carriers. The companies will only be available to file for an emergency use authorization from the FDA until half of their patients are observed for any safety issues, for two months following the second dose. Pfizer said they expect to meet this threshold during the third week of November. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 23 points today, the NASDAQ rose 232 points, and the S&P 500 rose 27 points. It's currently 73 degrees outside with a low of 72 tonight, the high for tomorrow is 75 degrees with a low of 61. I'm Tyler Fedor, and you're listening to WSC News. It's six oh four.
1: Spurs up, mass up, Gamecocks. I'm University of South Carolina Student Body President Izzy Rushton.
3: And I'm President Bob Casel. Let's prevent
4: the spread of COVID-19.
1: Keep your distance, no matter the location.
4: Get tested.
1: Wash your hands.
4: Wear face coverings. In class and on campus, in restaurants,
3: and in every social setting around Columbia.
1: And take the I pledge Columbia promise.
3: We are Gamecocks, so Spurs up. Masks up, Cox. We'll, we'll get,
1: get
0: through, through this, this together. together. Hi, I'm Ward Jollis, news director at WUSC News and host of the WUSC News show, Localize. At WUSC News, we take... Inspired by NPR, driven by conversation, join us. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6 here on WUSC-FM.
3: Hi, I'm home. Any mail?
4: Nothing too exciting. Just David's report card and something from the water company.
0: Another water bill?
4: Uh, I don't know. I didn't open it.
0: Oh, David's report card could be better. But this is interesting. The water company sent us a report about the quality of our tap water and where it comes from. And? Our water passed all its tests,
4: unlike some people around here.
2: You'll also be receiving a short new report about your tap water from your water supplier. Look for it, and when it comes, read it. For more information, call your water supplier or 1-877-EPA-WATER.
0: And welcome back to another episode of Hot Topics from WUSC News. As always, I'm Flint Snyder, joined by... Trey Martin. And we are coming on this week with sad news from the entertainment industry as popular game show host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek uh, sadly passed away uh, this past week at, uh, after a uh, long and uh, very public battle with pancreatic cancer. He uh, died at the age of 80 and Trey, you actually had the opportunity this week to sit down with someone that you are close to that has uh, actually gotten to be a part of the Jeopardy experience.
1: Yes, yeah, so I talked to Robert Barron um, he is a graduate of the University of South Carolina, and he was also my AP U.S. history teacher in high school. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so he competed on Jeopardy! in 2017. Um, I got to watch him, uh, and it was kind of surreal uh, seeing him on, on TV and, and competing on that show that you had watched your entire life. Um, and, uh, they actually gave a shout out to his class that, that he was teaching. It wasn't, it wasn't my specific class, but, um, it was cool to, uh, hear that talked about on that show. Uh, but he gave us some really good insight on his time on the show and, uh, what meeting Alex Trebek meant to him. And so, um, I just wanted to start off, I guess, by asking, um, Whenever you got on Jeopardy um, and you met him, uh, met Alex Trebek, uh, what were your impressions from him? Was he like what you see on TV? Um, Just kind of describe the process of meeting him and being on the show a little bit.
4: Sure. I think um, he was a lot like uh, the man you saw on television. He uh, was very... You know, outgoing and and, and gracious. And um, I have to say, though, the really the only time we as contestants got to talk to him was at the end of the show. And you may remember a couple of years back, like the time my show aired, you would uh, sort of go out onto the stage with him while the credits were rolling and he would chat with the contestants a little bit. But I think I learned the most about him between shows because what he would do is he would, you know, maybe after the show, he would go back to his dressing dressing room and he would change and then he would come back out and then talk with the audience. And so the contestants are sitting in sort of a separate part of the audience, but we could obviously see and hear everything he's saying. And they're asking him questions about, uh, you know, what it's like doing the show, what he's like as a, you know, as a guy living at home off the show and all that. And it was really uh, quite interesting. And he was very funny and very into uh, talking to everyone and just sort of making the audience have a good experience. I'll also have to say at the end of the show, when I was out there, you know, I played uh, or lost to Austin Rogers who won many, many games in a row. I don't remember how many he was sort of like the slight second coming of Ken Jennings, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, he had a kind of a streak going. So the fact that I lost to that guy, didn't feel so bad, but, um, but at the end of the show, when we're out on the stage, uh, Trebek is, is roasting me pretty good. He's, you know, you shake hands and he's smiling and laughing, but he's saying things like, so Robert, if you didn't know about the chess category, why'd you keep picking it? And, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm on this show. It's like uh super intense and I don't know why I picked it over and over again if I didn't know it, you know, but it was very lighthearted and funny and I can say I've been roasted by Trebek. So that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good experience. That's
1: incredible. I was uh, actually going to ask, you know, what was that conversation like? Because I do remember Every time I watched the show, it always, like, cut out to the wide camera angle and yeah. you see, like, everybody meeting on stage. So uh, so he was roasting everybody, and I guess that kind of speaks to who he is as a person.
4: Yeah, and, and, you know, it was very lighthearted. There was humor. You know, the, the woman uh, next to me, Emily, who came in third, she – you know, wrote uh, as her answer Atlanta, on northeastern city. So he was getting on her about that, you know, and and uh, he said, "Hey, you guys ran into a bus saw." This guy Austin is amazing, and so on and so forth. And then, then uh, going toward uh, busting on me about the chess category. So he, had, you know, he had a little kind of a little quip for everybody, and it was it was fun.
1: Yeah, nice. Well, it seems like he he definitely was somebody who. Uh, like to interact with the people around him and, and definitely kind of understood um you know what what it meant to the audience to be able to interact with him i, I think uh so um so kind of just talking about jeopardy in general i 'm sure you 've told this story a million times uh but um how uh did you get on the show and um what was filming it like?
4: Yeah. Right. Uh, so getting on the show, you know, I would watched it for forever for decades, probably since the late eighties, you know, and, um, at some point I just thought, well, let me back up a little bit. It used to be, you know, before the internet was a big thing, you would have to go take this test in person and you would have to go say to Atlanta or Charlotte or something like that. But I guess in the past 10 or 15 years, or maybe even longer it's it's just an online test and so maybe uh, i'm trying to think when it was perhaps in the fall of 2016 when they were giving the test i just signed up i took it and i feel like i did pretty good on it I, i know i missed a couple of questions but i feel like i did pretty good on it but then for months nothing happened you know so you just thought okay that's it it's fun you take the test it was kind of intense right and so at some point in uh maybe the fall, they caught maybe the fall of 2016, they maybe months later, they called and said, Hey, we're doing auditions in Charleston. Do you want to show up for that? And so I went and it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I had some friends down there. I spent the night before, I went over to the hotel downtown where they were having the auditions and it, it was a great day, but there, there was another test and there was some sort of like mock gameplay, and uh, the people from the show were there interviewing you and all this stuff. And, um, many of the people who were there were saying, oh yeah, this is my fifth time doing this. And I thought, well, I guess I'm not getting on the show, you know, and there may be 25 people there. And, um, you know, then maybe that, so that's October, let's say, then maybe in April, March or April of 2017, I got, I get this call and they say, uh, I guess I didn't even pick it up because it was a California number, a voicemail, I listen to the voicemail. It's someone from Jeopardy asking if I want to be on the show. I call them back, and, and that was it. It was pretty wild. It was very unexpected, you know, just sort of out of the blue that I do the audition, hear nothing forever, but then they call me back. So it was pretty cool. It was fun. You know, getting that call that day was it was a neat experience.
1: Awesome. And uh, I guess my last question is, what is something about jeopardy that you saw like on the show that the people at home don't necessarily get to see like like what what's kind of like are there any like secrets behind the scenes that that you saw there
4: yeah you know um i saw a lot you know being in the studio was was really interesting to me um when i was at carolina back in the 80s you know i worked uh at this part of the school it was called instructional services. And they did a lot of distance ed type stuff. And, uh, for a while I was, uh, part of filming, uh, distance ed classes and they used to videotape these classes and then students would access the takes. And so I had sort of had this interest in, you know, TV studios and lighting and how all that was set up. So being on the show and seeing, uh, a production like that was fascinating. I mean, the the building that it was in was was sort of a huge building uh, on the Sony Pictures uh, studio lot. And uh, next door was a building where they did Wheel of Fortune. So that was kind of cool to see it. But I think the biggest uh, secret revealed that I encountered on the show was when you when you stand behind the podium, it's sort of a uh, sort of a big the the floor is sort of these big vinyl tiles right and so behind the podium one of those tiles will go up and down if the person is i guess shorter than maybe the other contestants and so austin was lifted up pretty good emily was lifted up some i was lifted up some and uh they kept saying hey when you walk away from the podium uh make sure to unclip your microphone, and uh, don't fall off the riser, you know, because you're like two or three inches above the ground, which could just be a disaster. So it just blew my mind that they're actually, you know, lifting you up and down to get these appropriate uh, camera angles, I guess, you know. So that was neat. Wow.
1: I had never thought about that. So next time you watch, uh, I'll notice that everybody's around the same plane, I guess, of height. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's very interesting was there anything else that uh you'd like to add about about being on the show or just Alex Trebek in general
4: yeah it was a great experience and uh it was a real highlight to meet him it, just for such a short time out there at the end but you know being on the show you felt like you're connecting with him when he's reading clues and you're there live seeing him uh the picture that I have with him I think is great you know I, I'll just enjoy having that for a long time and uh it was a big experience it was something i always wanted to do and i feel very fortunate to have been on the show and really to have met him and uh i don't think uh i don't see how jeopardy could be the same without him i mean it may continue but in my mind he was the show he was jeopardy and uh i think it will never be the same tv game shows will never be the same so we're we're really uh losing almost like a titan in television, I would say.
3: Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah. Street. Pizza sounds good. Ballin' street, Girlin' street.
4: <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstopwrecks.org, brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi everyone, Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years <coughs> Smokey's only said, only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report, like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste, because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention.
1: Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
0: You're listening to Hot Topics from WUSC News. Student filmmaker here at USC, Fen Rockwell's new film reminds us to always remember to check your roof before you go to sleep. Rockwell's horror film Georgian Lens won a Silver Tripod Award for both Best Sound and Cinematography at the National Campus Movie Festival. Fen Rockwell joins us now to discuss more about his film. Fen, thanks for joining us today.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So quickly just tell our listeners what this uh, movie is about, what Georgian Lens is uh, all about.
3: Yeah, so um, I can kind of start with the title a little bit because it kind of quite literally relates to the plot as a whole. Um so it basically starts out with this guy who's getting home from work, um, and the title's called Georgian Lens, uh, and we focus in on a a window, and that window is a Georgian window, at least that's the, the frame's name. Um, and we kind of focus on him for a little bit, and then we are introduced to this character, this uh, anonymous character. Um, and she, we find out that she has been kind of looking at him through this Georgian window, hence the name Georgian Lens, you know, mm. peeking into his life um, from outside, you know, uh, just a, a random person. Um, but she ends up falling off the roof um, from where she's looking at him and dying. Um, and then the, the rest of the night is him, the, our main character, dealing with this tragedy, um, but also just extremely uncomfortable with the fact that this girl has been watching him for so long. I mean, he doesn't know how long it's been happening, but he knows that now he knows that this girl has been watching him for some amount of time. Um, so it's kind of haunting him. And then you're not too sure throughout the film what's going on. Um, the plot's kind of mainly was a device for us to explore some new shots and some new techniques. Um, just kind of using the tools at our hands and, um, trying to make the most out of it
0: yeah and I want to talk about those techniques in a second but first I feel like just to uh give our listeners the uh the Georgian lens experience I, I do want to play a clip uh from the film uh this was a clip that I I found particularly interesting watching it back earlier today where just the sound uh, totally really resonated and, and it really uh helped establish the tone of the show so let's play that really quick and then we'll uh talk on the flip side Yeah, so really interesting sound there. Um, Of course, that's the part where our main character um, discovers the girl who fell off the roof. Kind of talk about the process between getting that sound, I mean, between the clock uh, noises and the the music in general and the heartbeat just behind it. Were you guys shooting for, like, was the goal in mind to get really, really good sound since this was a short horror film? Kind of talk about the techniques that people might be interested in in kind of putting together that sound and kind of creating that effect.
3: Yeah, so it's, um like you said, it's it's, it's extremely difficult to put, um, you know, make a suspenseful film in such short amount of time. Um, so I think we focused mainly on the visuals and the sound, um, which, you know, all the sound was, like the music was made in-house. We, um, uh, our uh, sound, or our uh, composer, uh, Max Joseph, who was also acting in the film, um, made it all on his phone, um, all music in it. And then we just used different sound bites through Creative Commons to kind of uh, bring the environment um, kind of into one. but yeah, we, we really just wanted to emphasize the sound, especially since there's really there's no dialogue in the entire film, mm-hmm. and we figured that would probably be the most important way that we could uh, build suspense, you know, with the, the freaky visuals that we put in, the different shots, getting close up on um, our main character and even on uh, the, the, the girl in some situations. Um, can we, we use those techniques in order to kind of build that suspense and, and make the audience feel a certain way. Um, but the sound especially, uh, we took a lot of inspiration from, um, you know, Hereditary and Midsommar and, uh, John Carpenter and, In The Thing and Halloween, um, especially since we did it around Halloween, we thought it would be a, uh, a pretty good dedication to him. Um, and we use a lot of simple, like you were saying, with the clock ticking, um, sometimes just like that repetition can kind of create a little bit of suspense, especially if you start to bring in another sound. sound. Um, so we definitely tried to use everything that we had in the environment to, to kind of create that suspense, um, especially with as many simple sounds as possible.
0: Yeah, and I could definitely hear and see a lot of those influences in that film. That's pretty cool um, that, you know, you, you drew inspiration from other creators like that. I mean, y- this isn't the first film you've been a part of as a, as a student filmmaker. Kind of run us through quickly what a production process into a student film looks like. Like, how do you guys go about finding actors and casting for the film what about like what does a budget look like and where do you get like a funding for something like this kind of just take us through the production
3: process yeah so um it definitely looks a lot different than um a lot of the you know bigger productions that you see on streaming websites and things obviously um students don't have as many resources and don't have as much time to dedicate um but luckily i found two guys uh, max joseph and john slice who are equally as dedicated to making films. Um, so we spend a lot of time in, in pre-production and making sure that the shots are exactly how we want them um, and that we have the tools to make them. And I think the the tools, getting that access to as many um, resources and different levels of equipment is super important. Um, luckily, mm-hmm. the school does a lot of good jobs with you know making sure that we have it at our fingertips and are able to access that. Um, but it also comes from um, you know being able to to go out on your own and find your own resources. So um, through my work, I, I acquired a Blackmagic uh, Ursa Mini Pro, which is what we shot it on. And then um, John Slice, our director of photography, has a lot of you know lights and um, different things. And you know we obviously went out and um, so we didn't really have a budget. We just kind of put our own money and our own time into it. Um, we went out and got props, we got clothing, so everything in there, you know, that was just us scavenging around and trying to find things that we could use. Um, around our house and like the house that that's my house so oh, really yeah so you know we had to figure out how we were gonna make the film and um, ended up I'm, I'm pretty happy with it
0: yeah and, and so you submit this to the campus movie festival you win not one but two silver tripod awards for sound and cinematography um, how did that make you and the rest of the team feel winning the award what was going through your minds I mean do you guys when you submit these works, do you ex- go in uh, with winning, or do you just, I mean, what was the mindset like?
3: Yeah, um, so I've been doing CMF since I was a freshman. That's actually the the first film I made was for CMF, and um, ever since then me and the two others we've been kind of sharing the same drive to just continue to make more and more stuff for them and uh tr- try to compete as best as we can um but it really stems from just like a a, a strong passion for making this the film so we never go in mm-hmm. thinking that we're gonna win we just we love doing it um could spend all of our time doing it and talking about it um which can sometimes be a problem yeah um but yeah we 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 were very very happy with the results and especially to be um affirmed for the things that we went in to try to emphasize like sound and and the visuals um we knew we weren't going to win like best story and it's a it's a horror film and five minutes, um, mm-hmm. which actually the, the five minute version didn't include most of the shots that we, that we have. So we have a director's cut, which is like the actual, uh, full length film. So we were even more surprised, um, cause that, that film that we submitted to CMF was not the product that we actually wanted to shoot or ended up shooting. Um, so yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so just kind of quickly tell people where they can find the
0: film, um, and just uh, some of your other films that you've been a part of as well
3: yeah so we have uh me and john and max um we have kind of made this uh production company just to kind of put everything under called Soapwater productions so if you want to go over to youtube and type in Soapwater productions you can kind of find some of our newer films which are much more high quality um and then our older ones which were kind of just goofy um, one night shooting schedules so um but we definitely have more content coming uh, we're working on a film right now called a fair life um so you know be on the lookout for that but definitely hit us with the subscribe and uh look out for more content awesome well fen thank you so
0: much for joining us today and i i know i speak for the rest of the hot topics and WUSC news crew with saying congratulations to you and your team on the awards and uh thank you very much for joining us today
3: yeah thank you awesome
1: that's going to do it for this week's episode of hot topics Join us every Wednesday at 6 p.m. for the latest news in entertainment, culture, food, and everything in between.
0: Hot Topics is a production by WUSC News and Garnet Media Group, and is produced by Troy Gassing and Ward Jollis. You can catch other WUSC News shows on Monday and Friday at 6 o'clock p.m.
1: and on garnetmediagroup.org. I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and remember to keep it hot.